Adyak. You're listening to Adyak. Adyak is the official podcast of the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club. Our mission is to inspire creativity and enhance the professional development of the advertising and marketing communities where we live and work. I'm your host, Bill Childs, and I'll talk with artists, designers, writers, directors, photographers, along with those who work in a creative capacity. Our aim here is to serve as a creative resource to help you stay informed, entertained, and above all, inspired. Ad Yak is back. After a short hiatus, we felt it was time to bring our podcast back, get back to engaging in meaningful dialogue with advertisers and market leaders. And today, I get to talk to somebody who I have admired and respected for a very long time. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, ASR Media and Lehigh Valley with love. We appreciate your support and collaboration. If the Lehigh Valley had a Hall of Fame for creatives, my next guest would absolutely be in it. I'm talking about Peter Stevenson. Peter is a fine artist, creative director, and illustrator. His illustrations have been featured in the Washington Post, the Washington Book Review, the Wall Street Journal, and his work has been commissioned by clients that included AT&T Communications, Crayola, Earl Palmer Brown, Citibank, and J. Walter Thompson. Stevenson spent decades working in advertising, first as an art director, then a creative director for leading agencies and corporations, such as AT&T, Aramark Corporation, Mara Advertising, and Stegler Wells in Brunswick. Eventually, he founded the Stevenson Group in Easton, which is when I met him for the first time back in 1999. I've always found his work to be smart, unconventional, and possessing a raw creative energy that allowed it to stand out, which would explain why he's won so many awards over the years. Peter is not only an exceptional artist and marketer, but someone that I've always found to be approachable and humble. So when it was time for me to choose my first guest to interview on Adyak, I knew it had to be Peter Stevenson. We yak it up on a bunch of great topics that include presentation techniques when showing work to clients, his belief that great work happens when you refuse to be mediocre, his early involvement in the Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club, and how a bunch of kids on a school bus inspired an award-winning campaign for Crayola. So without further ado, this is my ad yak with Peter Stevenson. All right, man, here we are. Peter Stevenson, welcome uh, to the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley podcast, Ad Yak. I am super excited to talk to you. Uh, before I do that, I want to just give a, a tip of the cap to Nathan Linder, who actually started this podcast. Um, it was his idea. He ran with it. Um, he has been gracious enough to uh, turn the reins over to me, but I wanted to thank him because he kind of set the tone and um, we wouldn't be here uh, certainly without uh, Nathan Linder's uh, idea um, to, to do this. So Peter, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Bill. Good to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to get right into it. So you and I first met in 1999. I was working at Adams Outdoor Advertising. I had just been hired there. I came over from the morning call and I got really lucky in that I was put into a situation from a gentleman who was uh, running the uh, Adams at the time, John Hayes. And you showed up at one of our, cre our creative sessions, right? But before that, I remember seeing an ad that you had done on the back of the Eastern PA Business Journal that said mediocrity sucks. And it was like, first of all, seeing the word sucks in an ad, mediocrity, which I've tried to not be 
you know, my entire life to, so that, to see those two words together. Um, and then it was a, like a photo of a Doberman, like attacking. And the copy was even better because it was like, what did you expect? Two shaking hands, two business people shaking hands. I was like, who is this? Who is it? Oh, because it made an impact. And I was looked at the bottom and there it was, the Stevenson Group. And I was like, this, I like this. This is cool. So when I got to meet you at Adams in the, in the creative uh, session room, I, it put, I got it to put two and two together. So talk to me a little bit about what you remember about uh, that, that day, that meeting that, you know, at Adams. John and I run the same mission, John Hayes and I, and that was to uh, try to raise the, the bar a little bit as far as um, the creative approach, uh, the approach to creative in the, in, in the area, in the region. Uh, and John was trying to do that, and I had just started my agency, so um, I was trying to set a precedent for what our attitude was about it, and um, John and I talked, and that ad um, kind of summed up <laughs> where I wanted to sum up what our attitude was with the agency and what we were trying to do. And um, so, yeah, when I when he asked me to come come in, uh, the preamble he gave me was he wanted to build a team, a creative team, uh, and the goal was identical to mine, mm. and he felt like it would be opportune for us to get together and for me to sort of lay it down from a creative director's term to you guys um, as to how to, you know, what, what some of the benefits are and how to, how to, how to get your thinking in order and thinking in line. Well, it was cool. Cause he was very clear about what he wanted to do. Like he was yeah. very, he set a mission down, laid it down. And I remember it was about 10 different steps of he said, you know, it's going to take about three to six months to improve the market. We're going to hold clients accountable with what good design is. Right. Um, the other one was, you know, the bill posters are going to enjoy posting these these designs more. Um, the clients that were currently running outdoor were going to get better results. I mean, he had the whole thing laid out. And like number nine, I think was uh, will probably drive more revenue. And number 10, I believe, was and I think we're going to win a lot of awards. And that was it. It was a 10 step process. It was pretty easy. And I think he was smart to go around and actually you know, kind of build a little bit of a coalition from the agency side, because, you know, he knew that agencies were going to have to be playing in this space as well. And I think you were, you know, the, the perfect choice to kind of like come in and kind of just, just talk to us about, you know, that mission and how, how you saw the power of outdoor. I think part of the catalyst, you're absolutely right, Bill. And part of the catalyst, I think, was when John Knight had a preamble uh, and which I think was the catalyst for bringing me to talk with you guys was that um, we talked about outdoor advertising and what he was trying to do. And I, I said to him in the meeting, um, I always felt that when you come into a new area, arrive at the airport, you're flying into a new town, whether it's secondary market, tertiary market, um, Minneapolis, St. Louis, uh, Norfolk. Um, any, any town, the first thing you, you, you know about that town, if you've never been there before, one of your first impressions that you get um, as you're driving out of the airport, actually as you're walking through the airport, and as you're driving out and entering the city for the first time, your very first exposure is from the car and your first taste of the media when you get to any town is outdoor. Um, sure, yeah. 
and and at least in those days it, it was the primary and um and so I, I i remember always sort of judging a city right or wrong judging the city by its creative um savvy and uh, uh you know seeing just how um clever interesting and um how current their thinking was mm -hmm. and, and 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 most of all seeing what type of creative the clients were willing to accept which told me a lot about the culture absolutely in, as well so in thinking of the lehigh valley i said john i think we need to advertise that uh for the lehigh valley's sake that the valley is a very savvy slick current um, headed towards, you know, a, a direction in the, in the forward. And yes. the, the advertising needs to reflect that as it does in my experience with other cities. And um, he 100% agreed. And that's when I think we agreed to get together and together and, and, uh, and talk and, and have me uh, re-explain some of, some of my motives to you guys as well. Absolutely. Started. Well, you've, have you ever heard the term, um, your, your vibe attracts your tribe? Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. Well, before I knew what that term was, I think when you came into the room, I think I recognized a kindred spirit. And I was like, whatever this guy's about, that's what I want to be about. Cause he gets it. Like you get yeah, we it. were, we were twin sons of different mothers. I think. <laughs> uh, we talked for 15 minutes straight, lots of energy. Bill, you were lit up electric. Uh, yeah. Your energy was, was incredibly impressive to me. Um, and um, I remember that. Yeah. Yep, because I was just like, uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, and I, yeah, and I, the yeah, and I, and I love what um, you know. For even after I've left Adams and went on to other things, when I was at the the agency and I was, um, whenever there was a, a billboard as or an outdoor as part of the brief, we always would start there. If we could nail the concept on a billboard, we could flesh out the rest because that is still the hardest to design for. And I think it's the most satisfying when it's done yeah. well, you I know, agree. and, and it's, you know, look, it, it doesn't, you know, you can tell when it's, when it's not done well and you can, you just, it just resonates when it's really done well. And it just has such a resting impact. Well, I always felt that, uh, you know, route 22, um, was such an artery in the Lehigh Valley and with the number of boards and impressions that there were on that, on that main artery between Allentown, Bethlehem and Easton, it was a really important, in that particular area, it's a very important corridor uh, for, for denoting the, the creative culture of the city. So, um, you know, I think it was even more important in, in, the, in the Lehigh Valley. And um, I, I, in a way, I looked at the, you brought up the business journal. I looked at the business journal, the back page of the journal as its own little out, out of home uh, advertising opportunity, which is why, you know, I wanted to keep that creative short and sweet and and uh, have something that in within three or four seconds, somebody could read the message and get immediately what this new agency was all about. So, um, uh, you know, hopefully, and it sounds like you, you agreed that uh, Media oh, yeah. Sucks it did, I think, a number of things to describe what our attitude was. Um, well, I think I, th I love that because if, you know, if you're, if you're a business and you're kind of offended by that, then you're not somebody that you should be, you, you shouldn't really right. be working together. But if you kind of look at that and kind of go, you know, you know what, I don't want to be about mediocrity. I don't want to be mediocre. Then that opens up a dialogue. So well, I, I, I've always felt that you can never be better than the, your 
clients um, can accept. So uh, if you have the best ideas in the world, they'll never see the light of day if you don't have a, a client that's savvy enough to recognize good creative. Um, the best salesman in the world isn't going to sell uh, if they don't have a receptive client. So I've always given credit, equal credit to any client, any work you see developed that's uh, um, groundbreaking. I think you have to give equal credit to the client who was willing to see and understand and process good creative. Absolutely. I, I agree. I know that a couple months after our initial meeting, um, I was able to develop uh, my own uh, ad for the back of the, uh, the Eastern PA Business Journal at the time. And it was for Adams. And it was um, the line came to me as we were in the room that one day it was branding tool. Adams was a brand, is a branding tool. So it ended up being an ad that um, we got an actual branding tool fabricated. We went to Hub Wilson who shot it and he figured out a way how to make it smoke by heating up the tool, right? Cause it was pretty thick metal. He heated it up and he sprayed it with WD 40 and it would, this big cloud of smoke would come up and he had it, he had it positioned on an anvil. He had like barn board in the background. It was, a, and the ad headline just said branding tool. And it showed the Adams logo crafted oh, yeah. onto a brand. And it, it just, he did a beautiful job with the photography. And um, I was really proud of that ad because it, it just encapsulated what Adams outdoor is, what billboards are. They are branding tools. And we didn't have to have, um, you know, the logo again down at the bottom. We had Adams outdoor advertising, but we didn't have to have that branding symbol again, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so. Man, you I mean, it was cool. And I remember that ad and. Well, you can't beat some of the days before, uh, you know, CGI. Yeah, actually, yeah, we actually used to build and make our own effects, you know, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, now you could go to an app. You could go to an app, pull that photo in, add the yeah. smoke feature, and there you go. You're done. You yeah. Know? I mean, there's something to that, but, you know. So when you would, when you were at the agency and you had your agency, what, what, how did you know when you were onto a good idea or a big idea? How did, what, what was your process as you would kind of develop some of these things for Martin Guitar? And I know you worked with Crayola and, and some of the other places that you work. How did you resonate and, and kind of like, you know, know like, okay, I, this is feeling like something. What was your process around that? Well, I mean, you know, we always had to start with the premise that um, we understood who our audience was. You know, we, had, we did our homework, uh, even the very early stages of creative. Um, we had to make sure that we understood who's getting the message and, and uh, you know, the psychographics and demographics sure. about the target audience. So we had to know that um, and, and understand it deeply so that we'd get into their heads um, and then sit back and try to be that audience. And I believe strongly in um, group brainstorming. I know, you know, it, it's controversial sometimes mm -hmm. whether brainstorming is effective or not. I think, I don't think there's one method. I think a number of methods are good. Now, I do believe there's a lot of strength in having honest, open, uh, contributive uh, uh, sessions. But I also strongly believe in the value of, you know, <laughs> being in the shower or sitting on the toilet and having some of your best ideas. Oh, absolutely. Those, those moments where you're, um, you know, maybe slightly less than meditating. Um, <laughs> well, I, I can meditate and be on the toilet at the same time. But, uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, uh, I think those moments, those silent moments, you can have epiphanies uh, anywhere. And 
to always recognize when those thoughts have been in your brain and they've been sort of cooking and marinating, recognize when something pops out and comes to the top. But I, I think it's a number of things. And I think that's the way we, we typically always did it. But, you know, I always like the group input first because you can build on ideas if you have an honest, open environment that promotes, I mean, truly honest input and the old, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Um, I don't completely buy that. I do think there are bad ideas, but, but I think it's okay to present them uh, knowing that they may not be good. I think um, uh, as you build, you can sometimes build a, a fantastic idea out of earth and clay of original ideas. So um, I look at that as like, when we call a bad idea, just an idea that just doesn't work. Sometimes that can be fertilizer for the good idea, which I think is what you're saying, right? And I don't know where I got this from. It just This is just how I've always approached this type of work, Peter. I, I never believed that as a creative director when I was at the agency that I was the one that had to have all the ideas all the time. I, the, an idea can come from anywhere and anyone at any time. And my job was to be that receptacle, that receptor, to kind of be willing to listen, to hear it, you know? Um, and if I'm in my own way or if I'm in my own ego, you know, I'm not going to hear it. So I always made, made sure to, to listen to everyone's idea because I can't tell you how many times someone threw, like, as a throwaway line, said something. And I went, wait a minute, what, what did you just say? And that, it built on that and it went from there. So many times. You know, it's hard. It's hard for us to be, you know, objective. All of us to be objective with our own ideas. Sometimes, um, I would have people say to me, you know, I, well, I have this this idea here, but it's not very good. And I and I always wanted to see that idea that was not very good because, well, hold on, a minute. you know, you may not know if it's good or not. I don't always know if an idea is good or not. And and so I'd want to look at those because it's amazing how many times something was saved from the trash can. Uh, by somebody's own device. And, and it actually was a really good idea or it was the good kernel of an idea, as you said earlier, Yep. Um, the kernel of an idea that with a couple of twists and tweaks. And, and I think ultimately, if you're looking at a good creative direction, that is ultimately the job of a good creative director, not only to passionately sell the work, but before you get to that stage, be able to identify, help other people identify what the good ideas are, if they have them or not, um, and, and to help that along because um, to look at, at other people's work objectively uh, without personal ego or personal agenda um, can be super beneficial. Absolutely, yeah. I'll tell you the best example I know about that was a collaboration uh, at the agency when we, um, we had to come up with an idea for Plantique. Plantique was a landscaping company. They were a sponsor of Music Fest. They, they got a commercial over there and it was uh, the owner at the time, the CEO said, Hey, we need a commercial for music fest. So I was like, okay, so we're kicking it around. And I said to the production manager, production director at the time, John Mulder, I said, wouldn't it be cool if Robert Plant would play music fest, how like awesome that would be, because not only would I love to see Robert Plant play music fest, but Plant T could sponsor Robert Plant. Right. And then, like it. right. So that was it. So then we, 
And he goes, yeah, it's cool. And he goes on his way. I go on my way. The next morning he comes in, he goes, Hey, take a look at this. He shows me a piece of paper and on it is listed band names that all tied back to nature. Michelle Branch, Buddy Holly, Soundgarden, Rolling Stones, um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Right. And um, I was like, oh, my God, you, you're onto something here. Robert Plant was obviously one of them. So we pulled the team together because I feel like we have like the, the germ of a really cool idea here. Right. And we're I have the whole team. We're about 12, 12 strong at this point. We're chewing on it. Right. Because we, we have the concept, but we need the we need the bow on the top. We need to wrap it up. It needs to needs to say something right at the end. So out of complete, utter frustration, Tony Zeno, one of our editors, I was ready to wrap this up. I was ready to call. I was ready to say, look, we, we've spent enough time on this. We, this was cool. This was nice, but I don't think this is going to work. I was just about ready to do that. And Tony goes, you know, it's kind of like this. Music's in their nature and great landscaping's in Plantiques. And I was like, we're done here. And that, that was the ad. And then the ad was the, the names. Um, and it said, music's in their nature. Great landscaping's in ours. Plantique. And I'm brilliant uh, borrowed interest, obviously. So. And to- yeah, and just total collaboration, you know, and just, you know, from, from me throwing it into John Mulder's brain about Robert Plant, him going home and noticing all the, oh, the other one, the Vines was one. Uh, there's, a, there's like a whole bunch of them that, that, that have these nature names in, in, their, in their, their name. Or, and, and that was it. So I, I love how creative can develop like that sometimes. And I think the best creative directors set the environment and the tone for that to happen. Oh yeah. And you know, that, that's just something I've always felt was, um, is, is really what, what, what I love about this craft is that, you know, I love good ideas, but I love great ones even more, you know, and I, I was listening to this one uh, interview with Ethan Hawke, and he was telling a story about Peter Weir, uh, the director of Dead Poet Society. And he said, you know, going from good to great is a, is a turn of the screw, but it's the hardest turn. It's the hardest turn. And boy, is that true, you know? Um, so so let's, let's change gears a little bit. Um, when you, you actually, um, you're, you started out as a fine artist. That was your, that was your kind of your career track you know, you kind of started out as fine art. You had this middle portion where you're, you went into advertising and now you're, you're back in the fine art world. So give me that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, man. In a nutshell, I mean, I went to university of Maryland and, um, I was, uh, and this is, you know, back in the tumultuous, uh, early seventies. And, you know, it was the last thing on my mind. Advertising was the, the man, you know, the, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to paint and, and, uh, draw and be creative that way. Sure enough, I kind of discovered graphic design, you know, and through illustration work and I was doing illustration and, uh, through necessity ended up freelancing graphic design work and getting involved in that and, uh, loved, ended up loving graphic design, um, and ended up ultimately, uh, working as a graphic designer for, you know, 10 or 12, 15 years. And then uh, during that path, getting into advertising through you know, the client side of the business, I spent a number of years with AT&T um, in New Jersey and New York and um, worked with their advertising group for, I was with AT&T for about eight years, nine years, and uh, learned a lot through their advertising and, and, and really got involved with the marketing people and 
uh, ended up being a creative consultant to uh, some of the agencies that they use in Manhattan, uh, O&M, Y&R, Saatchi, Hosel Jacobs. Uh, so that, that was a really an interesting learning time for me where my brain shifted um, somewhere in that process. And I realized that you could be creative um, by, I think my mission at that point was, I hated bad advertising, but if you could do it really well, if they could just do it well, I, I would love it. It would, it would be fun and interesting. So my, my mission was to, to, to do good stuff or, or I wouldn't want to be in it. And I, I've taken that attitude all the way through. If you can't, I, I think my mission was to just push the envelope, you know, and, and raise the bar. And, 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 when, and then when I, other people would raise the bar, then that would stimulate me to want to go another level. And so it just kind of, it kind of went that way. Um, you know, I ended up working in advertising, obviously, and working with those agencies. And then when it's a smaller agency, uh, it was with, as you know, in the, in the area, um, uh, Stigler Wells in Brunswick, uh, SWBNR. Now I was with Mara Advertising in New Jersey, um, who had uh, Harley Davidson and, and some other pretty cool accounts and just <clears throat> was enamored really with the idea of advertising. And I, I, I was always doing illustration work my whole career. Illustration has always been my outlet for my fine art. But I, I, I laid off 15, 20 years without really doing a whole lot of fine work, fine artwork, maybe okay. three or four pieces over 10 years, but um, mostly illustration and getting getting assignments and doing work never never for myself well that was another that was another uh, campaign you worked on that to me just oh man i just resonated with so much the celtic classic stuff you know those illustrations those banners that would hang over there i mean you cleaned was, up at the addy awards like i mean wow you know just like those i i love those and i think that's that's you using really your you know your illustration side and your graphic design side and then creating marketing and messaging that's memorable. You know, that, that's yeah, the trifecta right a, there. It was a golden opportunity. Um, John Sweeney and some of the, the people early on, uh, I developed relationships with. And um, I, I wanted, was on the board, wanted to be on the board, um, having a Celtic heritage. And, um, mm. and so well, you uh, did the logo. You did the logo for them as well, right? Yeah, I did. That actually came um, after the first poster campaign they kind of said well can you do this and can you do that and, you know I, I thought well I could do something that was scalable across all of the media that mm -hmm. the, which they weren't doing up until then <clears throat> and right. something from a design standpoint that would hopefully do all the things that it, they needed it to do which is grab attention you know be impactful and colorful and to the point and also maybe collectible which they had never really um had a huge success with and they had some with some of their posters, but I mean, so the idea really came out of, I wanted to, I wanted to do something illustrative. I love poster art and I, you know, it's, it is the merging as to your point, per, poster art is the merging of graphic design and illustration 100%. And so I just you know, fell in love with the idea of that. And yeah, after the first one, it was scalable and we used it all through print and video and, uh, um, on their website. And uh, so that one was a success. And so I ended up, not only that, but I ended up selling the, the posters uh, mm, at the yeah. events, 
was pretty successful. When they blew up those big banners on the bridge, that kind of blew my mind. Um, it's nice to see that up until recently, they're, they're actually still using them. Yeah, I was there, I was the, there this year and they're, they're still using yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. It, the big ones, the really big ones got destroyed, I think, but uh, mm. through either people or weather, but they still have some smaller ones. And it's I still, mean, they're, they're in the background. Lot. They're in the background of almost every photo that ever yeah. gets taken over there because they're just so massive. Here's another question I wanted to ask you. We talked a little bit about this one time, one day. Um, I, I want you to share your process about how you present an idea to a client. Um, you're going in. It's time to show the work. Th this, I, I was fascinated by this. Um, so I, I just, just tell me about your presenting an idea. Well, you know, it's never the same twice, obviously, but um, typically I have a, a process that I'll, I'll, I'll give it away here, but my <laughs> process was, uh, and this may not work for everybody, but I'd like to, of course, having done my homework, I'd like to make sure that the creative approaches, uh, albeit even if they're, they're pretty severe uh, you know, creative directions, uh, chancy, I guess, risky. Mm -hmm. I'll even use that word, um, <laughs> but not risky with no uh, with no rationale. Right. You know, I believe risk needs to be weighed alongside of effectiveness. So, sure. um, so I, I do believe that if you've done your your work and the creative that you've developed um, is on target, and you believe that's on target, regardless of how groundbreaking you know, the effects are with what you're presenting. Um, I think if you've done your work and you've hit it, the idea of stepping a client through the process an abridged version of what your process was and always uh, giving the rationale uh, through data and through the, um, all the necessities of tactics uh, and approaches as we all know what they are, demographics, demographics, mm -hmm. target audience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and leading them through, I think what I like to, I used to like to do is to get the client, get the heads nodding yes in the room by saying things, for instance, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're really hitting this, this idea or this question and everyone answers yes. And we want something that's going to really pop, but still speak to that audience. Yes, everyone nods, yes. And you go through a series of ideas, you lead the client up to a lot of agreement with what you're saying and that they're in agreement with your mission, knowing that your solution is already going to answer <laughs> or solve every one of those issues that you brought up in advance. So it's kind of like stacking the deck to a certain degree, but in, in a good way, it's not dishonest. I think it's it's well, lets, it also lets them know that you listen to them. You heard what they said. Know, right. Exactly. And yeah. quite frankly, you know, half the time, you know, 50 percent of the of the data or the, you know, the, the approach that you took, the clients have already given you half of the answers if you were really listening early on. And so I I think the idea of sort of leading them to the stream to feed uh, it, it will make the experience by the time you unveil your creative you can't have nodded your head 15 times. <laughs> and then when you solve the problem with the creative, it's kind of hard for everyone to say no when they've just said yes before they even saw the creative. 
you're changing their body chemistry by getting them to say yes it's not just them nodding there's a there's a there's a chemistry that's going on in there that that is kind of um you know it's it's kind of hard for for someone to say i agreed with you all the way up to the point that i saw what you did it it, it just usually doesn't happen you know right Uh, Right. unless of course you you made the mistake of inserting the give the client one that they'll like in the mix oh yeah don't Um, do that don't do that that's the kiss of death i mean i you know never include the if there's one that you're giving the client because they'll like it, but you don't. Everyone knows they're going to pick that one. So every single and then, time, and, and then you you can't get mad at yourself. <laughs> you know, you who put who put it in there. You know, so if you show them two instead of three, and the two are brilliant work that you would love to see um, manifest itself, that you would be proud of, show them two. If there's only one. Just show them one. If, if there's one brilliant idea, and that's all you've got. But show them the one brilliant idea. Okay? Well, yeah, and walk them through it and tell them, tell them why. Tell them why this is going to work. You know, they are paying you to kind of come up with this sure. stuff. You know, so, you know, for me, I know that one of the things that, that John Hayes also taught um, a lot of the, the account execs and the creative team when we were, if we were going to have to go out and sell is, or presenting a, a, an idea, I should say, you know, if this was a client that, constantly always had their phone number on the board and this was going to be a time where it wasn't going to be there john would say have the courage and the guts to tell them listen i want to let you know up front the phone number is not on this design and we're not and we're not including it because here's why right so provide the rationale so you know because if you you do all your due diligence and you you get them all saying yes and everyone's in agreement you turn it over and that phone number's not there that's that one thing that they might go, oh, no, no, the phone number. And now you kind of got this weird vibe in the room. But if you, yeah, you if you you've got to, you've got to nip that at the bud, right? Uh, right, and, right. And take care of it before you get there. Yeah, yeah. But not, you're not going to turn it over and have them go, oh, I'm missing the phone number. I was like, yeah, I, I told you the phone. Right. Number I thought we good. said phone number, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like I've been in those rooms already too, where you know you, you we turn the design over, and there's like five seconds of uncomfortable silence. And, you know, you've all heard the old, you've heard the old cliche, you know, he who talks first loses. Um, I've seen that play out numerous times where just, just let it, just let it sit, let that uncomfortable side. They're, they're looking at it for the first time. You know, I can remember uh, doing that one time where it was a, a design where the phone number was kept off. We turned it over uncomfortable silence. The account executive jumped in and said, we could add that phone number back in. And it was beautiful. The client, the client goes, no, 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 no. Hang on. I'm just taking it in. I love it. It's done. Let's, let's do it. So it was like, you got to see, like, you know, he was just the person we presented it to was just thinking about, he was seeing it for the first time. You, you know, know, most good clients want to do good work. They don't want to do crappy work. They want to do good mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them, they're our ally. You know, they're in this with us and we're in it with them. And, you know, everyone wants to win because good work isn't just, award-winning creative good work sells stuff and and affects bottom lines and margins so um have you ever seen the documentary art and copy uh yeah yeah i think i have i think maybe even you mentioned it to me yeah that one kind of blew my mind because you know these are major major agencies you know j walter thompson um you know shia day 
And it was interesting because they go through the same things that people on in regional and local levels do when presenting ideas. You know, the Got Milk campaign never almost made it to the air. Uh, certainly, you know, Where's the Beef never made it. It, it's just so many campaigns that like that when they still have to go through the clients, there's still that uncomfortable. Imagine, imagine going in and presenting got milk by showing an absence of the product that you're trying to sell. I mean, right. But they did it. Uh, Silverstein, good being Silverstein um, went in and, and, and got the California milk board to run a series of, of that ran for years, you know, without showing the product. Now, Apple did that with the with the mac by showing a commercial that didn't show the product ran on the third quarter of the super bowl and they didn't even have the product finished but you know that's yeah. a whole that's a whole other story but you know you can do that sometimes we did a we did a um along that line mm-hmm. we had come up we were doing a branding campaign when i was with swb for crayola and it was a um the first time they had done just a pure branding campaign in a long long time and uh, so it was going to art educators primarily, and which is obviously a big market with Crayola. Sure. And we, were, we had the opportunity to do a two-page spread in lots of the top publications for educators. And one of the ideas uh, that I'd come up with was uh, no product, no product in the ad. It was, I'd actually was sitting at a traffic light one morning thinking about this ad and a school bus pulled up next to me at the stoplight and on the bus, it was in the afternoon, not morning. And the bus pulled up and a bunch of kids were up in the window, staring down in the car the way they do. Mm -hmm. And they were holding up projects, plastered them up in the window. They're all screaming (laughs) and yelling saying, look at my stuff. And I thought there's the essence of why Crayola, the payoff is about, how it manifests itself in the pride of these yep. kids and bringing that pride home. And so ultimately we came up with a headline that uh, Liz Booth wrote that said, nothing brings home the joy of creativity like Crayola. And Love the it. visual that uh, I think uh, Ames Caggiano, uh, hopefully he's still around. Um, we, we did a shoot um, and it was basically eight, 10 kids in the window of the school bus uh, the whole ad took up the bus. Oh man! And all these kids, we had selected ten different media that were Crayola-based media. Color. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and had all the kids holding it up in the windows, the way they would do when they spotted your car. Uh, just the whole ad was these. Kids. I love that. That's but awesome. Nothing brings home the joy, creativity, and that went on to be a campaign. They weren't sure about it. We took it to a focus group in Princeton because they were scared to death that they were going to spend this much money and not put the products as the hero in the ad. And um, so fortunately uh, we were, I, I'm usually not a big fan of focus groups. You can kind of, you can kind of make focus <laughs> groups do whatever you want, honestly, if you want, if you want them to, but uh, this time it was in our favor and the educators loved it hands down um, that it was ground sort of groundbreaking and it was from the heart and yeah, uh, sure. not just a, uh, uh, a client chest pounding look how great our products are it's it's from the client the target audience's point of view what better reward for a teacher payoff yeah absolutely their kids not throw the art away when they come out the door to school or 
leave it in their lockers or, you know, but to actually want to bring this work home for their parents, that's pride of, of work. Well, you put the focus on the end user, you know, you didn't focus on the product, you put it on the end user, which is no. to me, that's, that's every the... parent, every teacher, every parent wants their kid to be proud of the work that they did. So ultimately it did pay off and um, it was a success. I love it. I love it. Do you have any, um, you have any uh, campaigns or, or, or things that you did that, you know, uh, didn't sell that you were just like, man, I can't believe that didn't sell. You know, I mean, I, I have a, I have a whole portfolio uh, full of stuff like that, that just was like, yeah. you know, head scratching, um, you know. I, I believe there is, um, I think there's an awards competition every year uh, where they hold the um, client didn't buy it awards, mm. where it's great creative that never saw the light of day. And um, I don't know if they're still doing that or not, but it's a brilliant. Idea. Well, the ad club used to have um, a category like that. It's, it's option yeah. for each club to decide if they want to yeah. do that. But uh, yeah, I won a couple of those uh, over the years with uh, ads that didn't sell. Well, we did it. We did a um, campaign ultimately for um, Martin for the string division. And it was the, uh, I call it the coffee ad, but it was more than that. It was um, using eight, six to eight words that were emotional buzzwords. And, and uh, that, was, that was pretty successful. Was this the one that was like creamy, buttery? That's right, yeah. Uh, it would, where it was like the, what do you call it? The guitar hole was kind of like a tub of butter. Yeah. And, it, and the strip. Yeah. Yeah. I it was all it. sort of a double entendre, a visual double entendre, you know? And uh, yeah. so it was yeah. six to six different camp uh, ideas in the campaign. And, and in the, in the genesis of that, the, the first idea that I had, or it was one of the ideas that we presented that I actually loved the most. Okay. It was, um, and it came out of a great brainstorming session uh, at um, uh, a diner when we left the meeting, actually. Mm -hmm. we, we started brainstorming 15 minutes after leaving the meeting. We never made it back to the, to the agency. Uh, we just started, the ideas were coming. Always the best time is capture that moment when you've just left the meeting, when all the synapses are firing, you know? And um, one of the ideas that came out of it was pretty funny, uh, hilarious brainstorming period uh for lunch but one of the ideas that came out ultimately ended up um a headline that said um feed your pie hole um <laughs> no but no it was um feed your sound hole feed your sound hole yes yeah. uh, yes and i the remember visual, the visual if you can imagine this was a baby a baby's face in hysterical crying mode with big cheeks and it even looked like the shape of a dreadnought guitar and the baby was turned sideways <laughs> the way a guitar would be right and the baby's mouth was wide open like the hole of a guitar well and, i would think guitarists would get that right yeah, people who yeah. play guitar would be like that's yeah. awesome right and it was something feed about your sound you, know, hole. you know your baby your baby's hungry uh feed their sound hole that's what it was oh my god there's like so many different it, offshoots of that you so, can um, you know the guitar is, is your guitarist baby it's their baby so they they kind of would understand that and so we did this um, and presented it. And Martin, they, they just couldn't. They just couldn't, couldn't get there, huh? Couldn't they get there. But they did love it. But they just couldn't do it. So we ended up with the campaign that I spoke about earlier. Um, but the manager uh, that, along with others that loved this campaign, um, ended up taking the, um, the baby sound hole, feature sound hole, 
uh, they ended up blowing it up into giant posters and took it to the, the NAM show in oh, California. Nice, nice. So it did exist. It was created and it did end up going to California um, only under certain circumstances, but um, apparently it, 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 it got a lot of um, uh, notice. Well, I, I just want to mention too, that you, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you were, you were, you know, at the early, early days of the ad club, the formation of the, the, the greater Lehigh Valley ad club, you, you were there at the table, you know, I mean, I remember going to a, a second meeting because John Hayes, again, at the time I was at Adams said, you know, I want, I want us to be there. I want us represented. They're starting an ad club chapter yeah. here in the Valley. Prior to that, we only had, we had one in Scranton, there was one in Scranton and there was one in Philly. So I remembered too, like being excited that like, you know, you were there because I, I had known you and I was like, oh, yeah. I like this guy. And the other thing I liked about it was you were always, you know, you were always so approachable. You know, you weren't someone that was like, get away from me, kid. I'm too busy, you know, creating award winning stuff. Here, yeah, get out of here. You were like, you know, you just were, you, you like to talk about your craft. And I know we would see, we'd, yeah, we, here we are, you know, you're yeah. my, you're my first, get my first guest is it's appropriate that it's you. Um, you know, you know, Bill, first of all, I, I'm actually honored, quite frankly. Um, if I had, if I, if anybody was going to do this, you're my pick. So I'm, uh, I'm in, Thank you. Uh, I'm kind of in, uh, I'm having a ball. The fact that you're, you're the one doing this. Um, the, uh, the ad club, you know, when I first moved to Lehigh Valley, I was still working in New York and I wanted to sort of change my life and, re and relocate to the Valley. Um, but I realized I didn't know its soul. And I just uh, uh, ended up with a little design firm before I went with SWB. I kind of bagged, bagged it and came out, took a risk, big risk, with this little design firm called Creative Concepts out on 15th Street, uh, which lasted about eight months, I think. But um, I realized I didn't know anyone. And so um, I thought, well, how am I gonna get to know people in this community? In this? And, and I asked around, there was no ad club, there was no club at all. And so I thought, well, um, I'll make one. <laughs> so I, I, I grabbed some money out of a, a spare account and uh, I printed up a bunch of direct mail pieces and um, invited the community. I did my research and found out who the art directors were, who the creative directors and writers and, and uh, and designers and put together a list of people that I didn't know, but had, had compiled it. And I mailed this out to probably 200 people in the Lehigh Valley and said, I'd like to get to know you. I wanna start an ad club. Do you wanna help me build this? Um, it will take a community literally yeah. um, to do this. And, and is there, would everybody be on board? If you wanna hear about it, uh, come to um, a night at the Hotel Bethlehem and I rented I rented out uh, part of the ballroom at the Hotel Bethlehem and invited everyone to come out and I had hors d'oeuvres and we all, people came out and I had great attendance, maybe 50 people showed up and uh, most of them, you know, today uh, in the business. And, um, and I got a lot of people to sign on for, you know, vice presidents, uh, secretary, treasurer, you know, uh, committee members, and it's all people in the community. And I'll tell you, you know, the biggest, the biggest part of this, and, and clearly the impetus for, for starting this, and, and, I, and I've told this before, and I'll tell you again, it was the camaraderie. You know, it was about, sure. the, it was about having professional friends and people in the business that were, that were based in the business, but that the thing you had in common as a friend uh, was the business. And, and ultimately, I think that was the biggest success 
of the, the original art directors club was that uh, I think a lot of us made friends and a lot of us you know, remained friends for a long time. And um, that of course morphed into after about eight years, uh, it, it sort of evolved and evolved and I think rightfully so into an advertising club and right. uh, it sort of grew from there from its early stages. And even that club actually, the genesis of that club started in a diner, uh, the diner out on uh, um, MacArthur uh, Road. City View, City View Diner. City View, yeah, started out there. And we, you know, and then ultimately brought the AAF in. So mm-hmm. you know, I kind of backed away at that point. But um, yeah, but yeah, watching that, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was watching a, um, watching your little, your little baby kind of, you know, walk and take first steps and then slowly grow up. And, you know, as when I walked away, it was on its way to college. Yeah. And, you know, I I sat there at that table for, well, 13 years uh, and then got the opportunity to be the president, which was I I loved. I mean, I I got so much out of this club from meeting people in District 2, which is our district. You know, it's one of the hardest districts. You know, you got New York City, you got New Jersey, you got Pittsburgh, Philly. Um, But the people and getting to go to some of those conferences I mean, for the personal and professional development that I got out of being involved in the, the, the ad club, I mean, it's, it's huge. That's why, you know, I, I, after I was president, I stepped back a little bit just to kind of take a break. And I, I kind of wanted to get back involved. And that's when I said to Sarah Dams, the new president, I said, you know, I, I want to come back and I want to I pick up where Nate left off with the podcast. And I want to I take see, see how far I can take it. So that's, what, that's why we're doing this now. So it's, I told it's, hard, you, it's hard to totally leave, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah. Well, it's, no, you know, it's, uh, it's my craft, you know, it's in my blood. So I told you this hour would go quick and we're, we're, we're getting close to kind of coming up on an hour. So if you could just share with me briefly, what, what are you doing now? What are you up to these days? Well, you know, we were saying earlier, I've kind of come full circle. I mean, I, you know, I got into advertising and ultimately uh, from the genesis of uh, fine art. But uh, as an illustrator, you know, I always wanted to focus more and more on illustration work. And I mean, I'll be really frank. I was never an uh, Adobe Illustrator uh, fan. Um, okay. I'm more of a purist. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what I like to do. Sure. And so um, I was finding it more and more that illustrators were kind of gravitating to uh, digital artwork and um for all the good reasons that that one does and um you know i just realized that uh you know at this stage of the game i'd never really had time to culture my illustrator skills so um i decided you know i'm going to do less illustration work and really take the time again and go back and and kind of restart the engines uh where i left off decades ago and re-examine my fine art core, which I've always felt mm-hmm. that fine art was the core. And now I've the last uh, six, seven years, I've had a chance to really uh, get deeper and deeper into understanding myself better and understanding uh, the fine artists uh, that was still living in there, albeit with cobwebs, um, and get deeper into that and um, get past being scared to death of a blind canvas. And um, I've had, you know, it's been pretty successful. It was being repped in a couple of galleries and uh, have, have been able to, you know, fortunately, uh, begin to sell work and and things are going actually really well. So, are you happy? Couldn't be happier. Couldn't that's, have be happier. That's what I love to hear. <laughs> now, where could people see your work if they wanted to look at your stuff? Where, what? Uh, how would they so find I'm, it? 
I'm in transition now. Uh, I was I was at a uh, gallery in Lancaster uh, called Poor. Um, it was actually the uh, um, the gallery division of Artisan Artisan Gallery, and Artisan Gallery shut shut down about halfway through COVID, sadly. And okay. um, I, I had had a one maybe four or five one one man shows there over the last two or two or three years, and um, uh, it was it was a, a good home for me. But they had to shut down, so I've scattered my work into a number of restaurants temporarily uh, until I can find another home gallery again, which I'm in the process of looking for. What about your? Show, you have a you have a website though, right? Yeah, I have a website. It's peterstevensonart.com. Just my name, peterstevensonart.com. Okay. And I'm also on online. I'm on Saatchi and Saatchi, and uh, also on Etsy. If, if anybody wants to explore, it's not all my work, but you can probably see most of my work both illustration and fine art at my website at www.peterstevensonart.com. That's awesome. Yeah. Your stuff is great. And I just, you know, I, I am so really, I, I am grateful to you for just being so um, open with me over the years, whenever we've run into each other or wherever we've talked, you know um, I, I, it just, it meant a lot, you know, and I think it's important because I, for me, I saw myself in you, you know, like I looked at you and I was like, yeah, that that's, and I'm I gonna, saw myself in you. So, <laughs> which I don't even know how to explain that, but okay. <laughs> uh, I wanted, I wanted to hire you years ago. I don't know if you ever know that, but uh, uh, yeah, I think still I, your way. <laughs> uh, time Peter, is everything. Listen, thank you so much for doing this. I could talk to you for another four hours and we would just barely be scratching the surface, but we'll have to figure out how to do that one of these days. So. Well, I just, you know, this is, Hey, this is, you know, the, the AAF is, is, you know, we've relaunched ad yak. Um, you're my first guest. I'm, I'm so happy for that. I'm so proud of that. Um, I'm glad to hear that you're happy and you're doing well. Uh, you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve all the success Thank you can you, handle. Bill. Thank you. It's, you know, meeting the folks at the holiday thing. Um, seeing some old folks that I knew from the past, it was fantastic, but seeing the energy with the new folks, you yeah. guys have a great bunch of people, uh, including yourself, great bunch of people that, have, that are carrying this energy forward, man. And um, as much as I miss the, the folks that were part of the genesis of, of the club, people like uh, Andy Hall and, and uh, Donna McGavaro and uh, Michael Sayre and sure. you know, the folks from that era, um, it's really cool seeing seeing it where it's going from here and it sure looks like it's got all the earmarks of you know up up and away man it's really cool yeah appreciate that be well my friend thank you bill i appreciate it thanks well, thanks for doing this all right ad yakers there it is my conversation with peter stevenson hope you enjoyed it because we got many more great conversations planned and guests lined up ready to yak it up ad yak is sponsored and produced by asr media theme song was written and performed by Dan Ross, and Ad Yak is the official podcast of the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club. Stay hungry, stay humble. Till next time, take it easy. This episode of Ad Yak is rated F for Fantabulous.